Okay, let's <laughs> get it started. <laughs> Everyone make the loudest noise you can. <laughs> Derek, why you stay silent? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaur. Did your son teach you that? sound. <laughs> the trick is to suck in. <laughs> so good at it. There we go. That's what we needed. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to the wild, wild Outpost Podcast. <laughs> Today, we don't just have Tom, Derek, Mark, and Lacey. We've got pterodactyls. We've got monkeys. Not really. This is just a normal episode. There's no animals. It's not true. Well, it's a normal episode. It's all just a lie. With him, with animals. Y'all are animals. We are the animals here. Yeah. Alive in the barn. <laughs> Alive in the barn. Speaking of which, we're going to start off our episode. Bittersweet. Saying that I think this is our last time in the barn. Tom has chosen and Mark procured a great piece of equipment and we... We're equipping ourselves. It's true. We're equipped. We're going to try to do it. the next podcast episode in the new Orange Nebula headquarters. Mm-hmm. Super okay. exciting. Super exciting. I'll be stuff. honest, I'm a little nervous to do it in a different location. Are any of it you kind of nervous? It will be a little weird. Yeah. There's going to be a new dynamic we're going to have to mm-hmm. figure out that we know about. The I'm pretty sure we can't do it until we get bean bags. That's true. <laughs> well, they need to be silent bean bags. So oh, yeah. That's going to be tough. Is that sounds, a thing? Sounds like a band name. <laughs> silent, silent bean, bean bags. bags. <laughs> Coming soon to the Wonder Ballroom. <laughs> So we're going to miss the barn. Um, I've been told that we're going to call the office the barn. I think just for Just legacy. for solidarity. Yeah, Back in the barn. to name yes. the office the barn. Mm-hmm. I dig it. And so, then never explain it to anyone. We're probably never going to sit this close again. That's not true. <laughs> huge office and I'm just going to sit right up on you guys. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the dynamic changes. So um, this is our last one in the barn. If you want to write a poem called Ode to the Barn, mm-hmm. we will publish it on the Outpost. Condolence cards. We'll accept condolence mm-hmm. cards as well. Yes. If there are any <laughs> like singer songwriters out there, uh-huh. maybe they could write a, a little a little ditty. Yeah. For us. And perform it. Yes, yeah, oh, with absolutely. a guitar. Absolutely. Or a big ditty. Or a big ditty. And if it's good enough. Or a P diddy. If it's a good midi. enough, perhaps or a midi Derek will perform it. Midi. Actually, mm-hmm. not a bad. Actually, matter of fact, that will. Okay, cool. If somebody will write an ode to the barn, I will sing it. Yep. If it's good I'm enough. I'm in for that. Yes. No, it's good enough. I'll sing it anyway. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> So in other news at Orange Nebula, we've been making strides on the space game, including Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. important. So, Mark, what step have we taken with the space game? We are pursuing trademark name for the game. Yes, we have picked out the name we want for the space game, mm-hmm. and we have sent it down the legal chute to see what comes out the other end. What's inside the legal chute? We don't know. It's Lights. just darkness. Screams and money. <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate. Yeah, we are, I think, more than most, we do more time making sure that we're protecting our intellectual property. So mm-hmm. 
this is a, an expensive venture, so I hope it works out because we really love the name. And mm-hmm. if we get it, we will tell you what that is. And if we don't, then we probably won't. Do you feel nervous about it? No. No? No, because we'll just come up with something else if we, if we mm-hmm. don't get this one. This one's perfect, I think, for what we're doing. We have a good shot at it, mm-hmm. but we are have to get the final word from the attorneys. So, okay. yeah, I'm stoked. And then if we don't get it, we come up with something else and we realize that's more that that's even more perfect. And this all happened for a reason. Either that or I'll just delete all the files and burn everything down. Here's I mean, the thing about life, right? That's also possible. Everything happens for a reason. Does it? Absolutely. But that's a theory. But I don't know if it's true or not. I, fu- I fully invest in that everything happens for like. I think life I will, can make a reason out of everything that happens to me. Life will, is that life will always theory? work itself out. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I just had this image of Jeff Goldblum That's all in my I was head. About. I just sitting here. <laughs> Are you serious? Life finds a way. From laying, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Laying with his shirt open. <laughs> Life <laughs> finds a way. Have you seen? Have you seen? Malcolm was right. Orange Nebula <laughs> finds a way. There's yeah. a gif of that scene where Jeff Goldblum is like laying down with his shirt open. Mm-hmm. And there's also that scene where they like put their head on the triceratops as it's breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And somebody did that and took the people listening to the triceratops and put it on Jeff Goldblum's open chest. Oh, that's funny. And him breathing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's my screensaver. Did you see oh. that where you saw it? <laughs> yeah, it must, must yeah. have been. Have you seen that thing where that secondhand store put pictures of Jeff Goldblum in every single yes. picture frame? Okay, oh my funny. goodness. And the photos of it are fantastic. It's just dozens of pictures of Brilliant. Jeff Goldblum in like all different ages and styles. And uh-huh. <laughs> I, I feel like I would buy all of them. You know, I hear something right now. I hear a little bit of rustling happening. I hear a little bit of rustling happening inside the, um, inside the, um, the super premium awesome with a zipper mailbag. I thought you were going to say your stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Snack time. Not quite. Not quite. Almost. (laughs) What do we got today, Tom? Well, we've got a message from the mailbag. Okay. What is the biggest misconception people have about being a board game publisher? Oh, man. That it's all fun and games. Ah! There are probably a lot of things. I I think people would be surprised how much isn't designing and playing games. Mm -hmm. 95% of what you do has nothing to do with designing and playing board games. Right. Does that feel like hyperbole or is that feel Yeah, I don't want to dissuade anyone. But (laughs) to do this right... That's hard work. It's... I mean, I think that's an understatement. I mean, I think there is a lot that you have to do that you do not want to do to to be successful at this. Like, it is not always fun. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? Yes. But only if your passion is there and you go all the way and you swing for the fence. If you're kind of living in limbo and you're doing kind of trying to make more products and you think that's going to be fun, I think you're going to be stuck in limbo for a long time. That's just my opinion, though. What about the idea of how much money you make? <laughs> from from the outside, somebody sees a Kickstarter campaign that goes for over 800000 And they're probably like, dang, they made it, mm-hmm. you know? Doing like, they're doing right. great. Yeah. Have either of you upgraded <laughs> to a new home? Have you upgraded to a new car? Listen, Have we, you even gotten new pants? You we, know? <laughs> we, we funded for 828 Who called out on the pants thing? <laughs> I bought a Vitamix. <laughs> he did. He bought a Vitamix. That's that was his investment. It was on sale. Yes. Welcome like to the Vitamix $250. Club, dude. Yeah. Nothing else changed. 
I still work 12 to 16 hour days. Your smoothie game has changed. Smoothie game is up. You have a Vitamix. That's true. It's good. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, the Tesla, it's not here. I I don't know what happened, but. I mean, that number um, is really misleading, right? Because every single one of those sales, you still have to produce a product. Yeah. And And just taking the money. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's misleading what all of the hidden costs are. Mm-hmm. And even if you've been in business for a long time, like, you know, we've been in business for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And with Vindication, with the with the first one, you know, we took a huge loss on the fulfillment, even though we planned, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. There's always those unseen things that you don't even yeah, damage, have an opportunity to plan for. Parts replacement, damage, that's 10% across the board, right? Depending on how well you prepared, I think if you prepare really well, that's a, that's probably a safe number. If you didn't prepare well, that could go way up. I mean, there's stories out there of people who are like, oh, something terrible happened and they had to reproduce games and stuff. So misconception there, this is not fun and games. This is working hard to produce something well, other people get to have fun games, games. that make fun for others. <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. I've seen this firsthand. Like I'll come into the office and they'll have been kind of duking it out for the past couple hours. And it's fun. I mean, they're, they're enjoying themselves. You can definitely tell, but it's definitely work, mm-hmm. right? Is that how you're interpreting all those tears? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> screams. Fun. Should I be more concerned? Uh, and we are having fun. Oh, absolutely. This is a passion for us or we wouldn't be doing it. But if the question is, what is the misconception? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of work that isn't actually designing games. The other side of it is far more time consuming than I think you could understand until you're doing it, at least for me. If you're not committed to just every little detail, something is going to suffer. And if it's not you, it's going to be your community. So that's a lose-lose no matter what. Not that anybody's perfect. We're not perfect. You know, we mistakes happen all the time and that's just part of being alive. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but it's way more work than people think. Even if they think it's a lot of work, it's Mm -hmm. probably more than that. That being said, if you absolutely love it and this is your thing, you take a different role. I find that I enjoy designing games more than I enjoy playing games. That is not true of everybody. I've talked to other board game designers who don't feel like that. They feel like they'd rather play games than design, but they like designing as well. Don't you think for us, a common thread, at least in our organization, is that we're all storytellers of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the fun of creating Mm -hmm. comes into play. Even though it is hard to do all the things we're doing and it's not just fun in games, our makeup is this. And because we're doing what what we're made to do, it is fulfilling maybe more than it is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a dual role that I enjoy. And that is as a graphic designer, I'm also showing the story. I'm creating, I want to say landscape, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> a visual environment to relate the information and the toggle between writing the story, you know, with Tom working on the mechanics with Tom, building the world with Tom. Tom does the words and a lot of the conceptual storytelling, and I do pretty much all of the visual development. It's a wonderful toggle between the two. The hard thing is things change so quickly in rapid prototyping and iterating that that part 
of the process can also become frustrating mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. It's like, well, that changed, you know? That's well, the part where I go, okay, I need a little space because I'm getting married to something. And yeah. then because my brain is so quick start, I will like get married to an idea and take it, take it, take it somewhere. And then if it goes somewhere, it's like a piece of my heart is gone. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what's going to make our games stand out a little bit, but it is also frustrating mm-hmm. is the fact that one of our principal designers is also the graphic designer. Mm-hmm. We have a different experience in that. So I think with a lot of games, what you do is you design, this is how the game's going to function. And then you hire a graphic designer and say, make this happen. Mm-hmm. With us, Mark sits down to do that. But then as he's doing the mm-hmm. graphic design, mm-hmm. he realizes when he's playing with the visual Uh, language, like actually this would work better if this changed like this. And so he's designing while he's doing the graphic design mm -hmm. and the graphic design influences the mechanics and it goes back and forth Mm. and does this thing, which makes for a better experience. Absolutely. There's really no discounting how much having a graphic designer making the game is valuable. But then like for me personally, that can be frustrating. And also for you when, when you're in the room, in that Mark will come back and be like, all right, I made the thing we talked about. It's 30% different, you know? And it's like, well, I was working on something based on this previous mm-hmm. set of, but now it's totally different. And so then I want to hulk out I and I want to turn the table yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. So it makes our games better, but mm-hmm. it is also frustrating. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm essentially role-playing while I'm designing. I mean, Tom, you got to be doing the same thing when you're designing too, mm-hmm. right? We just design... In, there's a different methodology for each of those things, but there are parts in the process where I kind of have to step out mm-hmm. because, you know, I can't continue to design because if Mark and I are at home working on designs, and then we come back together to show what we worked on. What I'm working on is no longer viable because of everything Mark did with the graphic design, mm-hmm. you know, so sort of like I just have to be on pause until Mark's done with the graphic design discovery and now I get to step back that in and help sense. out again. It does go both ways. It does go the opposite way sometimes, too. Sometimes Tom will persist in, in, you know, say, hey, I really feel like we should protect this concept. And, you know, the thing that I worked on for six hours the day before was just exploration that we're not going to use now. And that that's OK, too. Right. That's just all part. It's a lossy process. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to do a lot of exploration and a lot of iterating to make sure that you're, it's like a colander, right? Like you're filtering out things and you let the stuff. Could be more like a coffee filter. A colander is a little different because those are specifically supposed to separate two ingredients, but like a coffee filter filters out lots of different things. Okay. A strainer. No, a strainer is the same thing as a colander. I know. That's why I said it. Filter. Like a filter. Like a what about a perforated filter. bowl? No. <laughs> Fair enough. The holes need to be smaller than that. Um, it's yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you're you're trying to protect the integrity. Well, I guess the point I'm making is at the end of the process, the really important stuff is still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of the other stuff serves the purpose of revealing that those were the important things all along. And that part of it is so rewarding when it takes, especially when it takes two years or more to produce a game, which is kind of our speed right now on these beefier games. Uh, we are going to produce some lighter ones. We're eager for the process to speed up a little bit. 
there is a main topic that we want to talk about today, and it actually was came up because I was talking to a friend a few days ago, and I was talking about how we finally have like the storyline that we think we're going to go with for the game. And I was like, listen, it's changed. Like it's iterated. The story has iterated 20 times. And they asked, well, why does the story change that many times during the game? And I started explaining it and I go, well, you know, there's concept and then there's mechanics and then there's story and they work differently. They work independently. And I started talking and I was like, maybe I don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but you two do. And so I kind of want to mine that game design process. And it just so happened we got another question that was basically the same Mm -hmm. question Mm -hmm. just from the community in the last couple days too so how did that question go something you just said i Mm -hmm. really want to come back to which is the word concept okay however the way this discussion usually goes is what comes first theme or mechanics Mm -hmm. and that was the way that the question was posed on facebook okay by ryan who is an absolute titan of our Facebook community. Mm-hmm. The guy's awesome. When I talk to you about that, you know, that's what you said normally. It's this theme versus mechanics. But at least the way that I have perceived the way that Orange Nebula does games is it's more about concept and mechanics. And the story is almost more of a wrapper, mm-hmm. you know. So just to dispel of the theme versus mechanics conversation, I think that discussion misses the point. But what that discussion usually is, is very situational. It it goes to people's gamer motivations. And it's what is more important to you, a game being very mechanically sound and interesting and that experience and you don't care what the theme is or a really amazing immersive theme. And then, then people will get into arguments about, well, do those mechanics, are they born of the theme? And it just goes back and forth. It's this whole cyclical conversation. You could argue any different side of it. What you said about concept to me, though, starts really getting to the gut of it. So if we're going to make a game about a theme, I think doing that is a mistake. If you set out to make a Star Wars game, right, Mm -hmm. or you set out to make a Moana game, the theme of Moana is a girl in the Pacific Islands going on an adventure, Mm -hmm. right? You can't design a mechanic around that theme that's rewarding. Mm -hmm. The concept of Moana is something entirely different. And the fact that that's not what we talk about in these discussions, I feel is why we missed the point. Mark, what's the concept of Vindication? What was your design goal with Vindication? What were you exploring? I was exploring. <laughs> I know how to, how to answer it properly. Go for it. The concept is being able to know that your story isn't over. You know, you can feel like you are in the depths of a watery death and you will be able to have another opportunity to prove your honor and earn your honor by using these attributes. It was an exploration of honor. Yes. Which you could do in any theme. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. The, Both mm-hmm. of you are right. The concept behind the new game was an exploration of team or group cohesion. Versus independent motivation. And that's where we are drawing the mechanics from. Exactly. And that can be done in any theme. Mm -hmm. That's what I have experienced, at least with both games coming out of Orange Nebula, is Mark is normally starting with what's the message we're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And then I will keep 
hounding you all on that, right? Like, okay, so you did this with the story. Okay, but does that actually hit the concept that we're trying to get across properly? It's very difficult to lock yourself into a story without a reason. If we're going to make a cooperative game, we're talking about group dynamics. We're talking about group cohesion is Mm -hmm. the words that we were using. And so we started to explore what's the truth, Mm -hmm. right, about that. What are some words that come up? We didn't think about any other cooperative games. We didn't explore what other games are doing. We didn't do any of that. Not that we haven't played them, but we started, okay, well, what is it that makes cohesion strong or weak or like what what are those okay trust Mm -hmm. that's one of the components right so we have an element in this game it's called trust and then you say how can we mechanically represent trust in a board game Mm -hmm. right yeah and that to me is a significant challenge and out of significant challenges is where you find rewarding experiences so we have built a mechanic around group trust Mm-hmm. Right. And so we'll argue back and forth about how it's earned and whether or not that makes and, and sense lost. in real life and lost. Absolutely. Right. Because that is a measure that is very impactful mm-hmm. for group cohesion. And so this is kind of why we dance around the idea of calling it a collaborative game versus a cooperative game, just because we don't want to be lumped in with some games that I don't think have done a very good job exploring that. A cooperative or collaborative game shouldn't just mean we're all on the same team. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I draw on your artistic ability in order to be able to present the story to people in a way that makes sense to them. Because you can graphically put it together and I can use words. It's like lever- <laughs> leveraging everybody's strengths. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, and then not only that, letting people adapt in the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I start off and I have this, well, what if I don't want to do that anymore? What if I want to do something else? That's why vindication has the sandboxy type element. However, people want to describe that where you have a choice. This is your story. This is your destiny. This is, there's no rich theme here. You get to right. decide that if you want to change tactics three quarters of the way through the game, then do that in the new game. There's a lot to explore there about decisions and how they impact other people. Right. And part of this was born. We have a, a design client, president of a company or one of the partners of a big architecture firm that basically said that they hire people based on three criteria, humble, hungry and smart. And they define smart not as intelligent. They define smart as of, of what they do and what they say and how that affects other people. That's what smart is to them. And I thought, wow, that's really impactful. Yeah, and I loved it. The cool thing to me, at least as a a storyteller, is when we're able to start with a concept, we can look in our own experiences for examples of that concept. You know, we don't have to just read and study a theme like what happens on islands, you know, what what kind of elements are there that we could experience? I think we dig much deeper and find much more interesting things starting with a concept than saying, we would like to make a game about the Wild West. Mm -hmm. What was that about? Let's just create a cool mechanism. Mm -hmm. And maybe we just have different minds than some of those designers, but it just feels like the discussion of theme versus mechanic misses a really key component to what should be being considered when you're designing a game. Let me introduce a nuance here. The original concept was, let's explore group cohesion, Mm -hmm. okay? I did immediately then say to myself, I'm going to make a a science fiction 
game, right? So that's not a theme. That's just an environmental restriction that I and a challenge that I put on myself. It's like I want this to have a, a sci-fi mm-hmm. feel. That was a completely subjective, and quite honestly, through the development, I started to think, well, do I really need to limit myself there? Yeah, you Should, questioned that. Actually, Tom and I, for a period of a few days, explored a whole other theme. Completely different. And mm-hmm. and it is very viable, and we may end up re-approaching I, that. Yeah, I think we should. And I think, <laughs> I think we will. At one point, went too far down this, and it, it's definitely, you know, space-themed. And that's not going to change because we're about done with it now. But I think it's very important to make sure that you give yourself a big enough sandbox to design in so that you have the opportunity to to challenge yourself and make things really interesting. Because if you lose sight of your passion and what makes you come alive during the design process, it just becomes work. It just becomes taxing. I don't think people get the most of themselves when they do that. I saw a post somewhere, maybe something somebody shared something with me about how second-time designers and third-time designers spend way too much time refining rules to the point where they the games are not fun anymore, mm. right? They're like so focused on trying to make the game perfect that they steal the soul out mm-hmm. of the game. And what's the point of that, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to, this thing has to be fun or it's not worth it. Nobody's, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So there is a toggle back and forth between trying to preserve the soul and do something really interesting and fun and something engaging that people are going to be drawn to. And then also execute well and precisely. As someone who likes storytelling to me, like this is finding these is the same as finding a story in a mm-hmm. movie or in a book or something like that. You know, if we were designed to design a game for an IP, right? Mm-hmm. If someone came to us and said, you're making, you know, a Lord of the Rings game. Mm-hmm. People don't like Lord of the Rings because it's high fantasy and it's a story about people throwing a ring into a mountain. Mm-mm. You know, that's not so you have to sit down and say, what is this actually about what is at the heart of this that appeals to people what does this gameplay experience need to feel like for it to feel like the thing in lord of the rings that they really connect with and that's the concept is what we're calling it Mm -hmm. and if you're not finding that you're not finding the right game well and if you have a concept you're pursuing common beliefs and truths that we all share, right? Like if you're exploring the concept of group cohesion, if you have a team of five people and somebody does something stupid that affects everybody, which happens every day to all of us, what's that feel like? You know, it's a, it's a team, right? Mm-hmm. We are in this together and Derek blew it. I right? was going to say what Derek blew it. <laughs> I know. Wasn't paying attention. And Tripped over his own feet, most likely. Yeah. And what are the ramifications of that? You know, maybe maybe Lacey steps up and does something and goes above and beyond and saves the day for all of us. How does that affect our perception of Derek and Lacey? And how do we restore our perception of Derek? And how do we de-inflate Lacey's massive ego after that, right? Possible. Or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's, Im- it's impossible to <laughs> pop that. But those are real questions. And, and the more we can design a game based on the truth mm-hmm. that we all acknowledge, then the more I think people are going to be able to connect with it when they're playing it. Be like, well, that just internal, that just makes sense that it would work that way. And so we're challenging ourselves to do that a lot. 
And we're learning as we go. The answer for us to the question, what comes first, theme or mechanics, is neither, because that's not where the soul is. Yeah. That's right. And that and actually, that was the question, right? Which mm-hmm. comes first? Well, it's a balance between the two. They go back and forth, and you have to make the decision weighing them together. I would argue that it's even outside of the two. It's behind the two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's before the two. It's, this third it's the foundation of concept. the two. Yes, because I almost think, I don't know if you agree. I mean, we're all creators. If it's not board games, we're creating websites. We're Mm -hmm. creating business cards, you know. Everything that you produce is a message, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is a message being transmitted anytime you're producing and sharing something. And so for us, I have found that getting clear as always, on what the message is that we're trying to get across, that's what people feel when they see the products, when they play the game. They're feeling the clarity of the message that we're trying to transmit. And that's only there if we decide what that message is going to be from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because that's the one thing that hasn't changed. And care enough to caretake it Mm -hmm. throughout the entire long, grueling process of development right? And testing. It's so hard to watch something that we really attach to emotionally, like for me as a designer, and I think Tom would agree, to watch something get cut, to, to sacrifice something for the sake of balance or for the sake of the enjoyment of the game or the experience. But that's what's necessary. And that's what makes it worth it in the end. It's like writing. It's like any other type of creation. You have to chisel things off of it. You have to shape it. And sometimes you have to just mess up the whole thing and start over. And that's happened myriads of times. But it has always stayed about group cohesion. And it is so nice to have that to point back to. So Mm -hmm. when one of us gets hung up on the mechanic or one of us really is in love with the thematic idea or there's always, you know, when we have those discussions, we always have the fallback of does it? Fit serve yes. what we're trying to do with the game. And if it doesn't, then that answers the question. Does it serve the sacred concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sacred concept. The sacred concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, and the reason I use that term is because I tell people in the development, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Nothing is sacred. Right? Well, the concept is sacred. Yeah. Except the one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The concept is sacred. The rest of it isn't. And that goes all the way. Like if this game is going to be a B-level game, because space doesn't fit it, mm-hmm. you know, I'll change it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing is sacred except the concept that we are serving mm-hmm. in, in all. And that sacred concept should be something very inviting for the community, for the experience of the player. Don't you think that that goes <clears throat> back for anybody? Like for anything that you're creating, anything that you're producing, there is some sort of core message. You know, I think that's why I focus so hard on like, Oh, do you have a personal purpose statement? You know, like mm-hmm. what's what what are you here for? <laughs> it should be. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so it's one thing that I love about these projects. And I think what I love about working with all of you on these projects, too, is that we all do have a pretty strong core and it's all different. You know, I, I would say we all have different purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's your purpose, oh, Derek? I, you, you said that, and I was like, oh, She's my God. Oh, me. no. Oh, no. I Does it have to do with Hercules? Always about Hercules. <laughs> no, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I'll have to think about that one. I, I know what it is, but I don't know how to I think it was Mark who inspired it. me to think about it to begin with. Well, I didn't understand myself until I was like, I had already turned 40. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I got some time. I, I think people bloom at different spots in their life, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I definitely know who I am now, but some people, you know, have that awakening when they're young, and some of them when they're older. And unfortunately, I think some people never really pursue it to have that kind of clarity. But I think it's I think it's really important if you want to get into the lifestyle where you're actually doing stuff every day that is in your passion. Mm-hmm. I think you have to chase it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got one more question in regards to the game design process. So I was thinking about this as we were preparing and I'm thinking, okay, so we've got concept. So that's the message we're trying to get across. We've got mechanics, how people engage to learn that message. We've got story, like the wrapper of how people make it relatable. But then there's like, what about components? You know, how do components add to the experience and the way the message is translated. I think people have experiences with all of their senses, right? As many as they as many as you can, the better off you're going to be. The physical sensation that you have of picking something up and moving it or touching it or or what your card stock is like and whether the board is this thick or this thin, all those things help to impact your experience. And so they do help you immerse. If I have something that's painted blue, that's great. But if I have something painted blue and it's translucent and that helps me go one level deeper in that this is supposed to be water, maybe it's translucent, maybe it's shaped like a teardrop, right? Like all those things will help me understand that better. Fantastic. Sometimes you can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like so with things like conviction and inspiration and stuff like that. Those are ethereal, like those are concepts. And so I chose to have those be represented by simple blocks, right? Because I wanted people to put their own idea on what that represented. You know, well, you see this happen in a lot of games now, you know, you've got ore and wood and stone and all these different things. And then you, the, the more realistic those become, ore, wood and stone, the more people really enjoy those. And they mm-hmm. will pay for upgraded components because it makes the gaming experience better. I think that's true across the board for materials, and that's why people love miniatures, and that's why people paint miniatures. Yeah, components serve all the masters, right? Components can serve the story. Miniatures is a great example of that. I'm not moving my pawn across the board. I am moving my samurai, right? It totally different experience. Mm-hmm. Components also serve the mechanics. Components are just an extension of all parts of the design. Can they also ruin the message? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think some of it is subjective. I I think people generally will push for more. Like more components. Like higher quality or more realistic. I think there's a danger there. You want something to be simple and you want something to have significance without being too detailed in the story. I want, I want room for the imagination, mm-hmm. right? Like that's like how Derek says he likes movies that don't have a clear ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? If I, if I say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it look like a cat, right? Well, what color is your cat, Lacey? The one that's in your head right now. The one that's in my head is dead. Okay. Unfortunately, oh, okay. but what okay. Black and white. Hat? Okay. Yeah. Well, mine's not, mine's pink and fluffy, right? Mine's and, orange like Charlie. It is. Right. Mm-hmm. And slightly overweight, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> slightly is an understatement. He's, okay. he's quite obese. He's a chonker as we like to say. Yeah. So there's, there's my point is if I came out with a black and white cat, you and I might not connect with it quite as much as Lacey would. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think there's some room for letting the user tell their own story. And this is why I push back a little bit when people force theme is as the player, maybe I want to 
tell my own story. Maybe I want to tell my own theme or extend that theme a little bit and have some agency and use my own imagination instead of having everything dictated and presented to me as entertainment. Mm -hmm. Not everybody agrees with me on that. That's cool. Let's fight. (laughs) (laughs) Brawl time. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting close here. The dinosaurs and monkeys are banging on the door to get let in. And... And they want their barn back, and we're going to give it to them. The next time that That's we record true. the Outpost podcast will be from the new Orange Nebula headquarters. Mm-hmm. BBHQ. So, yes, O-N. Well, I don't know. What are we calling it? BBHQ. O-N Space Station. It's not BBHQ. Yeah. It's, it's also, uh, it's the, I don't know, the Outpost. N- the barn. Labyrinth. Neb- neb- yeah, we need to work on this. Yeah, we'll work on Spaceport. it. Spaceport. You know what we never talked about? What? Was the bit about how most podcasts don't make it past episode seven. And here we are. Yeah. On, on one episode of the most 10. successful podcasts of all time. Congratulations. Yeah. This is 10. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I know. Congratulations, everyone. Episode 10. We have now spent 10 hours in a barn. Much more. Together in, Much more in this tiny space. You feel good about it? I do. I do feel good about it. I feel like these are great beginnings. Mm-hmm. Actually, great 10 things. is a really appropriate place to wrap to the bar. Yeah. Be like, yeah. All right, we did 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next time, we won't have a heated toilet seat to talk about. No. Um, we won't be in a stuffed little barn, but I hope you still so, like us So if that's what you're here for, <laughs> then get out. You take your exit. <laughs> this is your stop. Yeah. All right. If you still want to hear more from us and you're not tired of hearing our wonderful voices and our fabulous words, then you can find us at orangenebula.com. Sign up for our newsletter there. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram with the handle at, at Orange Nebula. Nebula. Very good, everyone. You wow, can we find all us said that super different. <laughs> you can find us on Board Game Geek. Or you can join any of our Facebook groups. Whatever you do, just know that we like you. Sneak mm-hmm. peeks coming out in the newsletter very shortly. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see stuff first, or maybe get like coupons and stuff like that. Oh, coupon, coupon. Just let it go. Okay. That reminds me. That's the place to do it. What does it remind you, Derek? I had somebody reach out and ask about where they could get the cool T-shirts that they've seen. Yes. And so you can get those at orangenebula.com. Is it the shop? It button? is the shop, yeah. Okay, you can or- click on O-Neb. the shop button. Go to the Oneb site at orangenebula.com. Click that little shop icon and Wonderful. there they shall be. Thank you so much for seeing us and listening to us argue. But you can't really see us. Nah. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to us talk. We if you want to hear more from us, you know where to find us. Our mouth sounds. We look awesome. Derek needs a little error. He's not going to speak again. All right. It is awful in here. Right now. <laughs> Am I the only one that feels that? I mean, yeah. It... I cannot breathe. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I know. I can see you. You're like... I was struggling. Uh-huh. Perhaps we should just leave it. Just at least yeah. that much. Yeah. Cool. There's okay. still the I kept sound there. in hot air, and I just I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I could see his face. He wasn't going to participate I anymore. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to have a last day air. in the barn. Derek fainted. With Derek oh, on the faint. It's okay. <laughs> so much. Relax. Wow. Easy, buddy. I told you. Wow. <laughs> he looked. He looked back at oh, the so door handle. Euphoric breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Relax. No. I can't it's believe okay. that you guys. Oh, it does smell not. like a nice barn out there. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
The, the air in here is so moist. 